The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, The Athletic's podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. Well, it's happened and it probably happened a little bit quicker than we expected it to as well. After Villa lost at St Mary's, Dean Smith was relieved of his duties as Aston Villa manager, having just passed three years in the job. I've got Global Greg Evans and Holly the Hex here with me for the 1874 podcast today. Holly, I'll start with you. You come on this podcast, we lose five in a row. Now the manager's lost his job. You are you are having some run. <laughs> Don't. I'm quitting. It's not going well so far. Not going well for you at all. Global Greg, sad really, isn't it? Because, you, you know, ever since we've been doing the 1874 podcast, Dean Smith has been the Aston Villa manager. So this is the first time we've ever done this podcast and Dean Smith hasn't been the manager. Yeah, crazy really. And, you know, I've, I've, been, at, I've been, been working at The Athletic for the whole time since Dean Smith's been the manager as well. So just unusual, strange times and, and getting used to it all now. Yeah, really, really sad day for Aston Villa Football Club. Sad day for Dean Smith and his family as well, obviously all being lifelong Villa fans. I think, Greg, you know, we'll come on to how the news broke in a minute, but even fans that probably wanted Dean Smith out... I think there is a, will be an awful lot of goodwill towards him and they'll still be sad as well. Is that a fair statement? Very, very much so. Um, I think that the supporter base had, had, had started to split, hadn't it? There was a, a majority, maybe not a majority, but a large proportion of supporters who thought that Dean Smith had taken Villa as far as he could um, and that maybe the right thing that was needed was a change. But there was an, an incredible amount of goodwill um, and pretty much everybody wanted him to succeed, didn't they? Even if they didn't believe he could. So um, I've written a piece this morning, uh, you know, which has just gone out as we're recording. And it and it's just a, a look back over three years with um, Dean Smith, obviously a Villa fan, Jack Grealish for the majority of that time, a Villa fan as the captain. Um, and just what it was like being the Villa reporter for that, for that period um, in, in what will be one of the most unique periods in Villa's history and we'll probably never ever see it again you know having a captain and a manager as the as a Villa fan um, so it, it's just a period that we'll look back on and smile I think because there were so many good things yeah Holly I haven't spoken to you about it but I'm, I'm assuming you, you were very upset when, when this news broke on Sunday yeah I, I put a tweet out after I saw the news because um, I was just back from holiday and I was really upset I think like a lot of Villa fans I was surprised for it to have happened on the weekend I was kind of assuming and hoping that he would have been given the international break to train with the players and, and kind of iron out any issues and get some players back fit from injury. So I was definitely upset. Um, the last few years of being a Villa fan have probably been my favourite. So I think Dean Smith's helped me fall back in love with football. And, you know, I owe him a lot in terms of just enjoying the club that I support and enjoying football as a whole. And I have a lot of memories watching, you know, Villa play under Dean Smith. So... I think a lot of fans will be feeling that way right now, but you know it's it's the harsh reality of football when results don't go your way, managers move on, and you kind of just have to accept the change. Yeah, I'm definitely still finding it a very very sad thing. Greg, good journalist moment for you. Last last week we came on the podcast and you wrote a piece and you said if they lost it against Southampton, there would be this period of review. That happened, and ultimately, you know, Dean's ended up lo- losing his job. Just just how was that process carried out? Yeah, so if you if you look at Christian Perslow's statement, it suggests that it was a decision that was made over a little bit of a longer period because um, he mentioned that Villa's form had had started to de- to decline, as we know, in twenty twenty one. But it was my understanding going into the Southampton game that that Dean Smith was safe in his job at that point. If Villa had got a win or a, or a draw, even at Southampton, things might have changed. But you know, I did report last week that if they lost. Um, this review period would take place because there aren't many managers out there other than you know a handful of them in the Premier League, Sean Dyche, Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, who can lose four or five games on the bounce without that run going unnoticed. So, you know, it was always something that I'd understood that, w- that would happen. That did, that did take place, that review on, on, fr- on uh, Saturday, Wes Edens, Nassif Sawiris and Christian Perslow 
got together and, and, and spoke about the future, about what they felt was right for the club. Um, and they decided that that it would be to, to get rid of Dean Smith. And Dean was delivered the news on Sunday morning. Um, he, did, he didn't play his usual round of golf uh, that, that he plays on, on a Sunday morning. Um, I presume that was largely down to the fact that he didn't know what was happening in his job, whether he was safe or not, because of what had happened um, in the previous five or six weeks. And um, he, he met up with Christian Perslow at, at Bodymore Heath and... and was delivered the news. You know, I'm told that it was it was a meeting that was left on on you know amicable terms. Almost Dean Smith was obviously very gutted about it. He felt that um, if he had been given a little bit more time and and had the players back fit that he that he desperately needed and wanted, he could have turned this around. But there were no real hard feelings in the end. You know, Christian Perslow gets on really well with Dean Smith. They've spoke to each other two or three times a day for three years. They have a really good working relationship, or did. Um, so, so there will be no sort of real hard feelings there. Um, and in terms of a first managerial appointment for Perslow and the manager uh, and the owners, it couldn't have gone any better. Dean Smith was an absolute ideal manager. He did everything that was asked of him. Um, he was very respectful in the way he managed. A great guy to work with. Um, so he's got huge boots to fill and it's really important that Villa get the right man in next. Yeah, I've spoke to a few people in, inside the club, Greg, and you know, it's a, actually a horrible decision for them to have to make. It will have been done with a real, real heavy heart. They won't have wanted it to have come to, the, to this at all because they've, they've all got great relationships with Dean Smith and... It's not often a manager, you know, leaves a football club having left them in leaving them. Sorry, I'll do that again. It's not often a manager leaves a football club in a much, much better place than where he found them. And Dean Smith undeniably did that. Nobody can argue with that. Look, he was the best thing that happened to the club for for years and years and years. Um, people forget that that Villa were twelve in the Championship. They were really struggling, and you know you, you you didn't know where that where it was going. Yes, they had a very strong squad, um, and a squad that was capable of of bouncing back and getting promotion that season. But no team succeeds without the manager being up to task. And Dean Smith came in and and and, and made a difference. Um, and in every single year, every sing- at the end of every single season, he achieved his brief, didn't he? One promotion, kept the club up, finished in mid table. This season was always going to be the tough one because taking a club from mid-table in the Premier League to sixth or seventh in the Premier League is ridiculously hard, and the the margins are so fine that there can't be any errors in in his in his judgment in his decision making. He needed to make sure that he got everything right, and there were just a few things that went against him. A few things probably that he'll look back and think that he should have done differently. Um, and that was the that was the reason why why the owners took the decision because you know they, at the end of the day they're ruthless businessmen who want to get this club flying again. Yeah, you definitely ruined the day, Holly Percival. Join this podcast, Holly. The, the, the problem is, I guess, obviously, twenty twenty one in general hasn't been great for Villa. The five in a row is obviously never a good look for any manager, as Greg said. Did you did you? think he would would have turned it around Dean's obviously come you know Greg's just said Dean Dean felt he just needed a little bit more time to turn it around would you have liked to have seen him given that time yeah in my mind I would have like had two more games under Dean Smith and hoped that kind of within those two he gets a win or a draw and or two wins so I think you always have to kind of trust your manager that they can turn it around and I, I think he definitely had the knowledge it just kind of felt like you know luck wasn't necessarily on their side at times with a few deflected goals that you know were frustrating to concede and um, a, a few run of injuries as well for, for key players that he was trying to enforce into the starting 11 and force kind of a change of formation and, and practice and stuff so I think he could have done it it's just how quickly it would have been done um, I think we forget that a lot of players have come in and never played with each other before and sometimes that takes time, sometimes it clicks straight away. So I think it, a, a few things in my mind were just unfortunate for Dean Smith and I think he would have had the drive and the willpower to, to try and make those better for the club. But ultimately, like Greg said, the owners are ruthless and, and to them it is, it is, it's their club and it's their business and, and they have to do whatever they can to protect that. So... Hopefully it pays off uh, in the very near future once a new appointment's made. Yeah, he's certainly got Villa out of bigger holes than the hole they're in at the moment in the past. You know, getting Villa promoted when it was looking like there was no chance of that happening. 
keeping Villa up with three or four games left when they looked looked absolutely dead and buried. Just want to ask you about Dean Smith, the man, a little bit more. Greg, you, you'll have spoke to him more than I have. I mean, I was actually lucky enough to, to have a beer with him in his in his office once after after a game. But you know, he is a great man, and you know. That's, I think that's important. I know it's a results business, but I think having someone like Dean Smith at Aston Villa Football Club, the man that he is, not just because he's a Villa fan, that's actually meant a lot to me. And it has been something really, really special. But you, you, you all have spoke to him way more, more than I have. As a man, Villa, Villa have lost something really special. Yeah, incredible person. Um, you know, a, a genuinely lovely man. Um, I, knew, I knew him a little bit before because my first job as a journalist was... Uh, to, to cover to cover Warsaw, so he was in charge then. Um, I didn't get to know him actually that well at Warsaw because I was I was very young and probably you know just just inexperienced in the job, so um, you know d- didn't get didn't get to know him that much. But having sort of that small relationship when he came into Villa was a bonus because I, I knew what he was like a little bit already. So um, yeah, somebody who genuinely cared about his players. Um, I think if you if you speak to a lot of the players. Especially the the younger ones and the, the ones that have come through, you know, the likes of Jack Grealish, Keenan Davis, um, Jacob Ramsey, pl- players that have, have needed sort of that guidance go, going through it, as younger players, Douglas Louise maybe even. Um, they all speak about how how Dean genuinely cared about them and wanted to see them um, improve and become better human beings, and and just assist them in, in their daily out uh, daily duties, which. I think it's a really nice thing because there's, there's so many managers who just focus on getting the best out of the team, getting results. Dean genuinely cared about people that worked around him. Um, and you speak to anybody at Bodymore Heath, you know, they loved him. Just very, very down-to-earth person, somebody who would always come in and say hello and have a chat with you. And, you know, family members of the players always remembered, um, liked how he always remembered their names, you know, particularly mothers, Um uh, it, it's a, it, their sons are out playing football, and 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 if they've got their and if and if them if the mothers know that the boss of their son knows them and looks after them and 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 is treating them well, they're pleased with that as well. So he had that sort of soft, caring touch around the edges as well. Um, in press conferences, where where I got to see him more than any more than anyone, I suppose, um, having been there on day one and the, and his final day. Um, it got a little bit difficult towards the end because you know I had to ask him some tough questions, and and he and he might not have liked, might not have liked those towards the end because, um, you know he 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 felt that he felt that he he needed the t- he deserved more time to keep it going, and I think one of my last questions to him was, are, are you concerned that Villa are getting worse, Dean? And he was very he was quite short with me with with, with his answer, you know. I, I understand that he's under pressure, probably feeling the heat and probably didn't agree with me, but I thought it was a valid point because I didn't think they were great at Southampton and, and I thought they were on this deteriorating path. Um, but no, in general and over the times, he, he was great to deal with. Um, very, very respectful, always answered your questions um, and, and and tried to have a bit of fun with you as well at the same time. You know, he was somebody that didn't take himself too seriously Um but also very, very driven to, to get the results needed to perform in his job. Yeah, it's safe to say wherever Dean Smith ends up next, there'll be a lot of Villa fans wishing that club well, and they'll certainly be getting a very, very special human being in charge of their club. Let's look at the Southampton game, then reluctantly holler. Some start from Villa. Adam Armstrong hadn't scored since day one of the season. Of course, after two, three minutes, he pops up with a welder. Yeah, it was an amazing goal, and I cannot deny him of that at all. Um... I think it was a little bit lucky with the deflection on the Ward-Prowse tackle and then the way it kind of hit off cash and fell so nicely um, for the shot. But, I mean, Villa can't be proud of that first half at the very least. It was not their finest performance and, in my mind, one of their worst um, in their last five games because I just didn't feel like they wanted it. Like that, I've said this before on the podcast. For me, if a team loses but they've put all of their heart and soul into that game... They can't really do anything else, but it just didn't really seem like much. Many of the players were fighting for that ball, and I think it kind of showed the areas that Dean Smith would have needed to work on over the next couple of games and work on on the, um, on the training pitch over the international break as well. But it, I don't want to use that term of it was a game of two halves for Villa, but there was a lot of improvement in the second half, which was kind of reassuring to see in terms of knowing that you know Villa can play better and, and will be better, but. It's not the result that you, you want or need when you're already four games uh, down. 
Yeah, this is where I think the players need to take a little bit of responsibility, Greg. You know, it's Dean Smith that ends up losing his job. But the players haven't done the basics well in the, in, in the last four or five games. When you're on a bad run, the last thing you want is to be behind early. And for the last three games, they've conceded early-ish goals. Just that lack of lack of uh, willingness to engage, I would say. I look at Twan and I just think that Armstrong goal is a great strike. But do, do a bit more. Do a bit more to close him down. Do a bit more to make life difficult for him taking a shot. And the players just didn't play with any real intensity in the first half. Couldn't pass the ball to each other. Let's talk about the basics of football, you know. They have let, they do have to take some responsibility because they have let Dean Smith down in that respect. 100%. You know, there have been some really poor performances in those five games that cost Dean Smith his job. Um, the 10 minutes at Wolves was dreadful. You know, no team should... No, t- no team of, of Villa's stature almost should should give away a two-goal lead and lose the game within 10 minutes to an equal rival like Wolves. You know, it's OK if it's a Premier League team against a League One team or something. You can half understand that, but not someone in the same division who's, who's expected to finish around the same position in the table as you. Then you've got the first half at Arsenal, absolutely dreadful. The first half against Southampton, dreadful. Conceding early goals against Arsenal, West Ham, Southampton, dreadful. Just just not doing the basics well. And um, the remitigating circumstances, of course, Villa didn't have Esri Konza against um, uh, Southampton. They didn't have Louise and Ings for the last two games. They made it, They make a difference. Leon Bailey started both games and was clearly, you know, nowhere near fit. You know, I, I was told he was, he was pitching it around 60 or 70% fit, which is... I was told 50. Well, well there, there we go. Then, you know, it's just, just nowhere near. You know, he's, he's a shadow of the player that we that, that, he, that he can be. Um, so Villa are automatically down to sort of 10 and a half men anyway there. Um, and there are individual performances that just aren't very good. You know, Ollie Watkins was... was Hardly in the game, wasn't putting himself about enough at, at Southampton. Well, yeah. We were looking not to go down to 10 men as well because Al Ghazi should have probably yeah, been look, sent Al, off. Yeah, Al Ghazi should have been sent off. You know, just petulant behaviour, stupid really, because he's already got the yellow card. So then you just have to really, you know, behave yourself and, and do everything by the book. But he could have gone, he could have got booked twice, I think, you know, because he, he dived, didn't he, for one of the... The dive was, yeah, very fortunate. And I thought, wow, like he's definitely gone now. Um, but somehow he survived. So that was a, stri- a, a, a slice of luck. Um, and yeah, and Buendir hasn't really worked yet, has he? You know, I'm told that he's very fiery in training, you know, always um, very disappointed if, if the team are losing, you know, if the team that he's working with are losing in training, um, somebody who, who isn't afraid to, to have a go at others. But he's probably got to do a bit more himself at the moment. I would say he was better in the second half. I'm not sure what, what change, change of position for him, I think, in the second half. But, he, you know, he came out after half-time and all the players came out after half-time much, much better. It shouldn't take. It shouldn't have to take going in at half no, time. It shouldn't because it, to, to put in his place, no, start the game. It, like was, that. it was the same at Arsenal, wasn't it? And the game is almost out of reach then because because Villa were two goals down. But it's one thing going attack in the second half when you're one nil down um, and and the opposition is slightly on the back foot because they're protecting their lead. And it's another thing actually starting the game and taking it to their opponents, but also staying tight at the back. So Villa just needs to get the balance right at the moment. And you know the new man that comes in. Hopefully, before the the Brighton game, we'll have to address that. Listeners, we've got a very small favour to ask. We want to make sure we're making the very best football podcasts out there, so we need to know what you like and what we can do better. We've prepared a survey over at theathleticsurvey.smsinc.co.uk and if you complete it, you'll be entered into a prize draw to win one of three £100 Amazon shopping vouchers. Now, we're only after the feedback from UK listeners at this stage and you can only win those Amazon shopping vouchers if you live in England, Scotland, Wales or Northern Ireland. So if that applies to you, then please head on over to theathleticsurvey.smsinc.co.uk That's theathleticsurvey.smsinc.co.uk Thanks. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Let's talk about the new man. I'm going to follow this off straight off at you, Holla. Who do you want? Um, there's been a lot of talk about Steven Gerrard, hasn't there? And uh, I was sat in the office yesterday and I was kind of like, you know what, I wouldn't be massively opposed to that. I think about the list of names that <laughs> that could potentially come in and I've already joked with you guys about it. I, in the nicest way possible, I don't want Nuno. I don't want Steve Bruce to return. Like, I don't want those kind of names back at Villa Park or, or coming to Villa Park for the first time. So I, I can understand why fans are slightly apprehensive about Gerard as it would be his Premier League managerial debut but I think as one of the best number eights to ever grace the Premier League I think he'd bring a lot to that role so I think I've kind of convinced myself that Gerard would would be a decent name to to step into that role but I mean Villa have kind of kept it quite hush hush at the moment so it'll be interesting to see who they interview and, and who they end up lining up. It's one of those times, Greg, where you're going to be getting WhatsApp messages off me every five minutes asking you what's going on. So people will want me to ask you now, what is going on? Yeah, so look, it's my understanding that that Stephen Gerrard is a is a strong candidate, um, somebody they would they would you know seriously like to appoint. Um, Villa insists though that they're they're going through an interview process and that multiple candidates are um, are under consideration. If if yeah that that is that is certainly the case. There are there are um, a number of candidates that are getting looked at, potentially interviewed in in this week ahead. Um, big one for Johan Langer because it's his first it's his first head coach appointment as a sporting director. So he will be tasked with you know taking the leading role on this, doing the due diligence on 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 um, you know some of their backgrounds. Uh, obviously, being a part of the interview process. And and just sifting out potential alternatives, really, in case there are a couple that that might have not necessarily been considered and uh, and, and are going to be put forward. But yeah, I'd like to see Gerard. I think he'd be a good appointment. You know, he's got a good staff around him. If if he can bring some of those with him, great staff. Might be difficult getting him out of Rangers mid season. You know, does he want to leave and, and tarnish that reputation that he's got there? He's only won one trophy so far out of twelve, I think. Um, if he, you know, Brendan Rodgers got a lot of stick, didn't he, when he left Celtic and he won the, the treble three times in a row. So um, maybe he doesn't want to, maybe he might not want to tarnish that reputation up there. But on the flip side, I think if you get offered Aston Villa, a job where there aren't many better in the Premier League at the moment and realistically that, that Steven Gerrard could take, um, it'd, be, it'd be a tough one to turn down, wouldn't it? So... We'll wait and see. The days ahead should be should be fine. Yeah, we should find out more information in the days ahead. You know, it's my understanding that Villa wanted to appoint a new manager definitely before the Brighton game, um, ideally at the before the end of next week. So um, we shall see how that develops. Yeah, I guess on Gerard Holly, you know, if he doesn't take it now, you get to the summer, that job's probably not there. He's probably not going to get a bigger job or a chance at a bigger job in the Premier League, which is ultimately where he will want to be, Stephen Gerrard, because he will have his eye on that Liverpool job at some point, and he's going to need to have proven himself in the Premier League, I would say, to get that job. Do you think he'll take it if he's offered it? Um, I think, like Greg said, I think Villa are in one of the best positions to be when you become a new manager of a club compared to the other teams currently undergoing a managerial change. So... In my mind, I think he would be silly to turn down the opportunity. And like you said, this is the way he gets into the Premier League. This is the way he establishes himself in the top flight. So I don't... If I was Liverpool, I'd be looking at him as a club legend, as a player. But, you know, Liverpool are striving to be the best of the best. So would you appoint someone who has no managerial experience? I'd struggle to see that. So I think he has to take this kind of job now, establish himself, and then in a year, 18 months, however long it will be until, you know, Klopp ultimately decides to take a break from Liverpool. You know, Gerard is is well-placed to, to take that role. So 
in my mind, it, it's now or never for, for Steven Gerrard. I completely get not wanting to tarnish his relationship up in Scotland and in the Scottish League, but you have to put your career first, especially when he's so new to the managerial industry. So, it, like I said, for me, it's now or never for Steven Gerrard. Even without my Villa hat on, it is certainly a magnificent job for someone to come in and take Villa in a really, really healthy place in general. Let's hear what the main man, David Ornstein, had to say on how appealing the Villa job is to managerial candidates. I think Dean Smith leaves with a great amount of credit. Somebody in the game said to me yesterday, it's the best vacancy out there by an absolute mile. Not in the relegation zone. Good squad of players, good infrastructure, strong ambitious hierarchy with money to spend whoever gets that villa job i think is set up to succeed and you can't really say the same about all vacancies that come up these days yeah greg you were on with david ornstein yesterday when you're hearing him say how appealing the villa job is you know he's got contacts everywhere so you know it must be a good job yeah well i mean it is isn't it you know it doesn't really it doesn't take a genius also to to, to know that either because if you look at the backing that villa have got now um, you know, incredible owners who are prepared to pay, invest in the playing squad every single year. A squad that's already very, very decent. An academy that's thriving. A fan base that now has 20,000 supporters on the waiting list trying to get a season ticket. Um, a, a genuine global appeal to, to be at that club now. Um, and already 10 points in a Premier League season after 11 games. So it's not the it's not the worst start to a Premier League season for somebody coming in um, and tasked with turning turning this club around. So it will appeal to, to so, so many head coaches and managers out there. Um, you know, I already know that you know, a huge amount of applications have already been submitted, um, you know, within hours of, of um, the vacancy coming up. So uh, it's, some, it's a job that many, many people would like to take and there'll be one lucky man at the end. One final question then before we finish on this, Greg. There's many reasons I wanted Dean Smith to stay at the helm at Aston Villa Football Club, but one of them was that when I look at the list of people who could potentially come in, I don't see that there's that big definitive name that you look at and say, yeah, they're definitely going to do a better job. They're definitely an upgrade on Dean Smith. Would you go along with that? I think I would, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to throw that one more more over towards the owners, you know, and say, well, it's now their job to make sure that they get the right man in. They need to be entirely convinced that um, the person that they pick is better than Dean Smith and to do that they will have to go through a very rigorous and um, and selective you know process to make sure that this guy is going to be better because I'm with you there I, I, I think Stephen Gerrard would be good but I don't know right now whether he'd be an immediate upgrade on, on Dean Smith and um, you know there are a couple of other names that have been mentioned that maybe aren't quite as close or um, likely to happen and again I'm not 100% sure if, if they're an upgrade so yeah it, it's it's a really big it's a really big appointment because what I'd been saying previously is that I don't think Villa would have ever gone down with Dean Smith I think they would have finished somewhere between 9th and 16th in the division okay they might not have gone slightly higher that the owners wanted but if you get this managerial appointment wrong there is a genuine chance of, of being sucked into a relegation battle. On the flip side, if you get it right, there's a chance for Villa to go quite high again. So it's so important. They've got to get it right. It's the biggest decision they will have ever had to make at this football club. Um, and it's one that could make or break them. Yeah, and if you're not already an Athletic subscriber and you want to know how things are going to unfold, Greg Evans is going to be all over this. Global Greg Evans. There's going to be stories every single day telling us what's going on at Villa Park and Holly and myself will be waiting with bated breath. As I say, if you're not already subscribed to Athletic, just go to theathletic.com slash villapod and you'll get 33% off a new subscription. So that's a third off the current price. Theathletic.com slash villapod. Right then, let's bring in a guest now. Let's give a big 1874 booing to the Southampton writer, Dan Sheldon. Great to have you on after you've just beat us 1-0 and ended up getting our manager sacked. Dan, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, Dan. Yourself? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. We're going to talk about Danny Ings in a moment, but we should probably mention that your manager, Ralph Hausenhutl, has actually been linked with the vacancy at Villa. Is there anything in that at all? A, a good manager who I like, actually. You know, I wouldn't be adverse to him being on the list. Yeah, I don't think it's a surprise that he's 
you know, linked with the Villa job, his, his record this season, he's only lost twice. There have been plenty of draws, but, you know, from October to now, they've won three out of four games, of course, beating Villa. Um, so I'm not surprised to see him linked with jobs. You know, he was linked with the Norwich job as well. Getting him out of Southampton won't be easy. It's not a cheap compensation to pay. It's quite pricey, as I understand. So whether Aston Villa would want to go down that route, I'm not entirely sure. And kind of how willing Southampton will be to, to even sort of entertain it. Again, I'm not entirely too sure, especially after the summer where kind of Danny Ings was sort of stolen from underneath their eyes, I think. Well, let's talk about... Danny Ings, a team effort from, from you and Greg last week with, with a piece on him published by The Athletic. Given what's happened since that went up, do you still do you still think the Villa have come out the better end of the two parties with, with Danny Ings? Obviously, his replacement scored against Villa, of course, on, on Friday night with his first shot, with his first goal from about 100 shots. Do you still feel that way? At the moment, I do, because and I, was, I think I was saying this to Greg, actually, at St. Mary's on Friday night. If, if Danny was on the pitch, you just know Villa would have half a chance of scoring. You know, they weren't kind of creating anything and they didn't have any clear-cut chances. But with him on the pitch, I don't know, maybe it's just an aura or something that, you know, if he gets the ball within the box or near the box, he's just got that, that class to put it beyond the goalkeeper. And yeah, so Southampton haven't had that. I think obviously the Adam Armstrong goal was superb, but that was only a second goal. I still think Ings has got three Premier League goals which is one more than any Southampton player has. Um, but what I will say is, if you ask me that question in May, I may answer it differently because, you know, Adam Armstrong might have gone on a run and really settled into the Premier League and scored 10, 10 15 goals. And I'd say, well, no, they, they clearly don't miss him now because you know, they've got a 24-year-old free from injury who's, you know, got a kind of eight, eight nine years ahead of him at, at the top level. Um, but yeah, right now I'd say Southampton miss Danny Ings. I think any team outside the top six would miss a player of that quality. Yeah, I think on Friday, the biggest surprise was that James Ward-Prowse didn't score against Villa after we chased him all summer. He's got, he's got a great record against us as well. How, how did you see the game? Yeah, I thought I thought it was that horrible kind of cliche game of two halves. I thought Southampton, to their credit, were excellent in the first half. They suffocated Aston Villa. Now, I don't know. It's always difficult, you know, how bad were Villa and how good was Southampton. It was probably a combination of two. But in the second half, you know, Southampton started started getting getting deeper and Villa started to pile the pressure on, but they didn't ever threaten Southampton. I didn't feel anyway. I didn't ever think, oh, Southampton are in big trouble here because Villa just didn't create anything of note. Um, I think McCarthy had one save to make and that wasn't exactly the most testing of saves. So, yeah, the, the second half was more nervy than it needed to be, I think, from a Southampton point of view, but that goes down to, like, their inability to convert chances. I mean, the game should have been done at half time they should have been two or three nil up and you know maybe Dean Smith wouldn't have come out for the second half yeah no, I've, I've not been happy with a couple of things that were said there to be honest the goalkeeper not really having to make a save I wasn't, I wasn't happy with that even though it's true <laughs> um, Dan I was wondering if if Hasselhoff leaves and again not that we think that that's um, going to happen but do you think Southampton would, would be able to cope with a managerial change do you think they've got the calibre of players to kind of push through that change I believe so I think yeah, I think they would. I think the players there are good enough. They're obviously so used to know how Hassan Hotel coaches them. And, you know, from kind of conversations I have all the time, it's unlikely Southampton are going to veer from that. So if Hassan Hotel was to depart at some point, they're not going to go all of a sudden and get a, I don't know, a, a Tony Pulis type manager who's going to play a different style of football. They'll find a manager that suits the players they have, the style they want to play as a club. Um, but one thing I will say on, on Ralph, and that probably gets overlooked at times, is he loves the environment at Southampton. You know, everything is kind of geared towards him. And that that's quite a big thing. I don't know what it's like at Aston Villa, how much kind of say the manager has and, and all the decisions. But at Southampton, you know, Ralph is heavily involved. It's not at many clubs. A manager can go, in, go into the club and a year later kind of rip up everything that the academy is doing and kind of do it in his vision. You know, he's been able to do that at Southampton. And, you know, everything... You know, within their financial means, they give him all the tools that he needs to succeed. Um, and that, I think, will be quite difficult for him to, to leave, to go somewhere else where he maybe hasn't got that control or or that say over certain aspects of the club. Yeah, it's, it's completely different to Villa, isn't it, Dan? Sort of, you know, Villa have, obviously, a head coach, you know, sporting director. I, I know it's a similar setup at Southampton, but there's less um, responsibility on, on, on the head coach. The head coach is there to 
to go and get the best out of the players. It's kind of simple as that, really. Whereas, um, you know, Hassan Hutton, I presume, has has more say on who comes into the actual club, doesn't he? More say over transfers. But at Villa, it's it's more of a joint effort. It's This is the position that we need to strengthen. The sporting director goes and gets four or five options, and then as a group they decide which which is the best one. It's not right. It's not necessarily the head coach identifying a player and then a decision being made from there. So, yeah, it's a little bit different. And obviously, the new man that comes into Villa will need to know that and need to work under that. I would say Southampton are one of those clubs that you know they change head coach, but everything around them doesn't doesn't really change. A club is still in a, a decent place even if the head coach leaves. So it will be interesting to see. If that's the case with Villa, because since Villa have had their new setup, they haven't changed manager. So it w- there won't be an overhaul of everything. They've got the thriving academy. They've got all the other stuff going on. So it will actually be really interesting to see what happens with Villa with a new manager. Yeah, he will. And look, there's still some decisions to be made over You know, the first team coach, Aaron Danks, who came in. We, we don't know whether he'll be staying on yet or not. Goalkeeping coach Neil Cutler's been there for uh, a good few years as well. We're, we're waiting to find out um, the situation around him. And and then obviously the new manager that comes in, how many coaches or um, uh, staff members that he can bring in as well, because it could have a very, very different look to it. But alternatively, it might not be that different if just a head coach and his assistant come in. Save Big Cuts, the great guy. Big Cuts, got got a lot of time for him. Dan, thanks ever so much for coming on and chatting to us this morning. All the best for Southampton for the rest of the season. Cheers, guys. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. got the biggest WSL fixture of the season for Aston Villa this weekend. It's the big ding-dong local derby with manager Carla Ward facing her previous employers. I think I'm right, Holly, in saying that last season for Birmingham, you know, they, they were really, really struggling. Came to Villa Park under Carla Ward and, and got the win, and I think they, they drew at the Birmingham City re- reverse fixture. But, you know, Carla did very well at Birmingham, had a good record in the local derbies. Yeah, she's a great manager, and, and she kind of showed how much that kind of winning that derby meant to her and, and to her team at the time. And it was kind of the few results that really showed how important she is as, as a manager and and kind of how much she can bring a team together because you are right, Birmingham City did struggle last season and, and narrowly avoided relegation. So um, I'm hoping that she can kind of transfer that now to, to Villa this weekend and get a better result for Villa against Blues. So um, I'm very, this has definitely uh, been on my calendar for quite a while. I'm very excited for this fixture this weekend. Yeah, I'll definitely be tuning in and watching. Bit of a reality check since we last checked in with Aston Villa women on the podcast. Big defeat to Reading at the home of football and also a cup exit as well. So, you know, things were looking quite bright when we, when we last spoke about it, but they have just stuttered a little bit. 
Yeah, they have, and then lost to Chelsea on the weekend. But uh, in all honesty, I, I think a one nil defeat. To, yeah, I was going to say Chelsea is is actually not a bad thing, and it shows that they're kind of really battening down the hatches and trying to be um, more solid defensively. And, we, and they did that against Chelsea. I think Chelsea were a little bit unfortunate to not score a couple more goals in the game. Um, G had an unbelievable performance for Chelsea, but. I think it just shows how important some of the signings Carla Ward has made as well. Hannah Hampton following her from Blues to Villa has been massively important for Villa. So um, I think it's kind of, I think if they can win against Blues this weekend, I think it will kind of show that kind of turn of bad run of results into a good run of results. So I think, I think Carla Ward's the best person to be, to be leading that team right now because she's definitely one of my favourite managers in the WSL. Yeah, Hannah Hampton was back in the England squad as well, I think, with the last round of international matches. So Villa 8th with 7 points currently. Blues, Holly, 11th with 1 point. Come on, Villa. Should, should, <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. Should <laughs> yeah. win. Should win. Yeah, I don't want to jinx it. Um, Maya Pacheco uh, is a great player on a left back and she's been playing really well as well. So I'm hoping that she can have a good performance and a couple of the other players as well that we spoke about on the podcast um, a few weeks ago. So I think it's just kind of finding their feet still and, and, and being a little bit more unified as a team and kind of linking up. But I, I in my mind, Villa win this game, hands down. And it's a massive game for you as well, Holly, because I've just realised since you've come on, the women haven't won either. <laughs> Honestly, like I said, I'm quitting because I, I feel like the biggest curse to this po- to the whole of Aston Villa Football Club. Um, I, yeah, I might send a personal message to Carla and just say, "Look, it's not going well for me. Please win this game." This is a, this is a this is a huge weekend for you now, Holly. It is oh, yeah. all on you. We're going to finish them with a question, and then we're going to look at our top three Dean Smith moments. So, Greg, the question that's coming to you is from David V, one of our Athletic subscribers. Is Christian Perslow under pressure now? If the next head coach falters, will this decision put Perslow under pressure with the ownership? Um, well, I mean, he is part of the ownership, isn't he? You know, he's got a he's got a small minority in the in the club, so um, he's not just a CEO. He, he's he's a he's a minority investor as well. Um, but look, that that won't that won't stop the supporters turning on him if he's not doing the correct job. Um, I think what he's done so far for the club has been very impressive. He's got pretty much everything right, hasn't he? Um, so far, and has been part of a, of a leadership team that that have, that have gradually helped the club progress. Um, this is a big decision for him. You know, he's he's got to get it right because if he doesn't, then supporters will start to ask questions about um, um, you know his decision making as well because they started asking that about Dean Smith when 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 the results weren't going well. So um, yeah, it, it, it's big pressure. Got to get it right, and, it, and it's pretty much as simple as that. Yeah, Matt C has asked a question as well. It's probably got two parts to it, to be fair. So the first part of it, who, who is taking training this week? Are they training much this week? I, I don't know how much they train on the, on the international break, the players that are left behind, but who would be taking it? Yeah, so um, the non-international players have been given some time off um, that they'll resume later in the week. Uh, the Obviously, the international players have all jetted off with their respective nations. So um, it'll be a quiet body more Heath for now. When they return, it, it will be um, first-team coach Aaron Danks, uh, Austin McPhee, Neil Cutler. If they are all still around at the club, we're still waiting to find out. Um, and if not, it will be the, um, the under-23 coaches, Mark Delaney and co. Yeah, the other part of Matt's question is, do you have any idea what, what type of manager they're looking for? Like, is, it, is it someone with Premier League experience? Is it someone who's good at bringing youth through with, with Villa's esteemed academy? Certain style of play? Do, do you have any idea on that at all, Greg? I think it all kind of fits into, you know, there's not a specific, um, there's not a specific style that they're after. They they want a manager to come and tick quite a few boxes. Um, it'd be fantastic if they could find somebody who could promote the youth um, and, and actually get the best out of what is a really thriving academy in the years to come. You know, perhaps not too many of them are ready at the moment, but in years to come, they might be. Um, so that's something that they that they will be keen on. Um, I think style of play, it just depends on the manager that you are. You know, each in, each manager has got his own style of play and it, and it depends really because um, he's got to get the best out of this team first and foremost. You know, he's been given a team. So they, they will probably look at somebody who um, has got experience in going into a club and rebuilding sort of straight from the off. Not not needing necessarily lots of time and lots of changes to to the squad, because 
look, Villa have got a decent squad there already and there isn't really, with a little bit of fine-tuning needed, yeah, but there isn't a massive need to go and get lots of new players in every position. So they won't be looking for a manager who, who will be saying that, you know, give me loads of money in January, I want to buy four or five players, because that's not going to happen. They want somebody to come in straight away and, and, and get results and, 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 and get the team organised. Question from Dan Bardell, loyal Athletic subscriber. Would there be money in January, though, to maybe bring in one player? Maybe a central, maybe a central midfielder. I, th- I think what we've seen in in recent years is that the owners like to do the majority of their business in the summer. Um, I think that's a good business plan because it always feels like if you're recruiting in January, um, you know it's, it's it's not a panic buy, but it, it's it's to address a problem really. Um, you should start the season with the majority of of what you expect to see the season out. Um, what we've seen in recent years is that if there's a a deal they believe is um, Good value for money, which they considered was for Morgan Sanson in in January. Then then they'll put the money in there and buy a player. Um, I think Villa do need a central midfielder. Clearly, they tried to get one in the summer. They tried to sign James Ward-Prowse. Oriol Romeo was was checked out as well. Um, ironic, isn't it, that those two were played so well against when Southampton um, the other week. But yeah, look, they'll be looking at central midfielders. They'll be looking at young left backs as well. I've, I've said that for for a while now. Um, and if something comes up that they believe is better to do in January rather than the summer, they'll go for it. Thanks, Greg. Let's finish then with our top three Dean Smith moments. We're going to pick a moment each on the fly. Holly, I'll come to you first. Top Dean Smith moment for you. I'm going to go slightly away from what I think a lot of fans would pick as what one of their top three moments. After Smith was sacked on Sunday, I rewatched his first interview with Aston Villa and... I just think the way he speaks about the club and himself and his family, him chatting about his dad being a steward and him cleaning the seats with his brother at, at Villa Park, I just think it reminded me why I was so confident in him doing a good job at Villa and and it just kind of showed who he was as a person and, and for that, that has to be one of my favourite moments. I just like it when a manager is, is humble and down to earth and, and just a normal human being. So I think that really showed how important Villa was to him and, and how... He, important he was to Villa in the end so that definitely is my moment yeah definitely be one of the best days of Dean Smith's life the day he got the job Greg what about you it's a lovely moment from from Holly yeah that, I think a lot of supporters will, will agree with that one won't they um, and shout out to Chris for, for suggesting this you know the top I think he said top five Dean moments so I'm going to give him two um, and hopefully Dan can put two and we can extend it to okay, five <laughs> pleasing the subscribers here um yeah, slightly le- left field. I'm, I'm going to say that the one of my top Dean Smith moments is more of a funny one. It was just when he when he sent Jack Grealish a um, a message before a preseason um, period, and and he basically just said, "Make sure you behave yourself. Uh, make sure you behave yourself, young boy, over the summer." And I think um, I think because the two of them, you know, were so so close, ridiculously close at the end. Um, I think Jack kind of listened to him a little bit and uh, didn't party too hard, (laughs) let's shall we say. Um, And the second one has got to be after the the survival mission at West Ham when he slept in his office at Bodymore Heath drunk. Uh, I just find that so funny. I can just imagine, you know, the cleaner opening the door in the morning and there's Dean Smith slumped on the floor absolutely out of his head and uh, (laughs) delighted with the season that's just followed. I'll go with that. I'll pick, I'll pick the one I thought everyone would pick. I will pick the playoff final. Just because, you know, that led Villa to where they are today without that, you know, we're probably not even here doing a podcast because Villa, Villa aren't in the Premier League. You know, the Athletic started, you know, focusing on Villa because they were back in the Premier League. It was all good good timing, really. So I don't think, you know, that Dean Smith, I don't think my media career is, is where it is today, in fairness. So I'll probably go with that playoff final. And it was a great day anyway. I don't class it as a cup win, but there hasn't been many wins at Wembley in my time since supporting Villas. You know, so to watch us win at Wembley, get promoted the way we did, you know, Jack Grealish, the captain, and Dean Smith as the manager, that that was really special. So I'll throw that in there. And then you've killed me with having to think, <laughs> having to think of another one. I don't, I don't want to pick the day we stayed up. I think, I, think, I think the Liverpool game has to be up yeah, there as well. Yeah, go on. That was a really good one. Yeah, I just wish the fans had been there. That's the only... Yeah. It's a shame for Dean Smith, you know, that he got his dream job and there was a whole season where fans weren't there. That is a shame for him, really, as, as one of us. But that Liverpool game was, was special. Even watching at home, you couldn't help but just be 
over the moon with how that how that game went. Dean Smith won't have, ever have a better game as a manager, I don't think, Greg. No, no I mean, no. And, and and he's been asked about it so many times. I mean, you know, he didn't expect it to go that well. That it wasn't like a, a grand master plan of um, this is how we absolutely annihilate the uh, best team in the world. You know, it was it was fortunate in many in some ways because you know a couple of those shots were deflected goals, but an absolutely brilliant performance. You know, he set the plan. He set the traps to to, to um, pick off Liverpool and, and, and they came off. Brilliant, brilliant day. I was lucky to be there, actually. Yeah, you're one of the few. There's no need to rub it yeah, in. Yeah, one, no one of the few. Good for you, Greg. Really, really pleased for you that you, <laughs> that, that, that you got to be there that day. Right, I think that does us for this week's iteration of 1874. I mean, whatever you thought of Villa's form at the moment, I think we can all agree. It's a really, really sad time seeing Dean Smith leave the football club. Thanks to Greg, thanks to Holly and thanks to all of you out there for listening as well. We'll be back on our usual schedule next week unless something sudden really happens with the the managerial appointment. So if you don't subscribe, do it because you'll know when the show is coming out. But yeah, we should be back on Wednesday all being well. Until then, up the villa, have a great week. My old man was a steward there for 25 years, you know, taking likes of Doug Ellis to their seats and, and things like that and you know me and my brother got dragged along there and you know used to be used to clean the seats up the north stand and uh, Whitton Road as it was called then and then go and stand up the old end to watch the game so you know I've always looked out for their results you know obviously my aim as a player was to try and play for Aston Villa I never got to them that standards um, but you know it's it's great now to be to be here as as the head coach and uh you know, um, it's a it's a massive football club. I've been fairly relaxed about it all, to be honest. A lot of my family and friends have been a lot more uh, emotional, as I can imagine. And I suppose that's the only difference with you know getting this job or going to a Brentford or another club is the emotional attachment with friends and family who are all obviously Villa fans. Athletic.